Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we build fantastical worlds together, step-by-step with the help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with the always amiable Chris Prunty. Hello. In our last episode, we laid the foundation for the core concept of our fantasy world, a divine realm of innumerable petty gods bound into mortal objects and struggling for dominance. We also talked about the symbiotic relationship between the gods and mortals, as well as the bonds and alliances between the gods themselves. Today, we're going to talk about the first ever fusion between two gods. Who were they? Why did they bind their two divine spirits together? And what happened as a result? All right. So, Chris, I believe you have a god for me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going... So Chris is going to give his god... I'm going to give my god, and then we will create the god, the surroundings, and probably the faith that leads up to it, right? Yeah, yeah, like practices maybe, like some flavor, some flavor. Well, obviously, it's all flavor. It's all flavor. Yeah. Um, So, the god that... Sorry, show note, we really need to get uh, Guy Fieri in here once we get a little bit deeper in, so he can be the... He's the mayor of Flavortown. No, no, um, enough, that was my god. Oh, god. Guy Fieri is... Okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. of Flavor Town. Actually, God of Flavor. Yeah, Guy Fieri. You can be like, uh, like the Dark Lord Guy Fieri. <laughs> but in actuality, yes. Uh, the God. God that I came up with, rather than come up with a name, I wanted to just do the Fates. The Fates. Yes. So God of Fates, or the, or are you talking about like? Net, originally, it was a twin God, but now I just want to make it a two-faced God. Okay. Like. And it's completely ambiguous. Gold and silver, neither one is seen as good or bad. Okay. Because uh, I wanted to play on the idea of even bad fortune can lead you to a good fate down the line. Interesting. Because you might get into a car crash, but it turns out that settlement paid for your kid's college. Okay. So So kind of like, um, so Nethys from Pathfinder's setting is the god of magic, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Nethys is like literally split down the middle between like a di- like a good half and an evil half, so it kind of shows that magic can be good, good and oh, evil, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of got the idea from. Uh, did you play Marwin Vivek? The I, d- I did not. No, he was. Uh, I, I it's been a very long time, but I found the game underneath my bed. Uh, huh. It was two halves of a, of two things like fused together, and so he looked like a high elf and a dark elf. And I forget a lot of the lore, but uh, as I was saying, gold and silver, that was part of the inspiration. Okay. So you're you're talking about like a two-sided... So you're we're approaching this as though this god that you have already has two sides to him, essentially. And so with the fusion, we're going to see something like even... So maybe even a three-faced side or something Correct. like that. Correct. And also I thought since uh, there's this already existing duality, mm-hmm. maybe that's how this idea even came about that it was just like hey two things can exist i i want you inside actually that's not a bad idea because uh not only that but maybe one maybe one half like maybe my god will replace one of the other halves of fate so my speaking of my god i uh, i chose the god of hunger uh i i actually really liked this choice because it is i mean it sounds evil Right? Like, it sounds like the the gnawing maw that will eat you alive. But it also has a lot to do with... Uh, like, I like... I Similar to you, I like the idea of duality. Mm. I like the idea of, yes, hunger is... 
you know, it, it, it's starvation in a sense, but it also is drive. It could be ambition. And uh, one thing that my fiance said, actually, she said that it was like, you know, everyone experiences it and no one trusts it. Right. Like, I was, cause, cause I was trying to, I had a couple of different ideas uh, to go with which for which God I wanted to go with hunger won out because every person I asked, they're like, hunger sounds cool. Hunger sounds the coolest. So now that we have our two gods, so I have God of hunger. Chris, you have the God of fates. Uh, how do we want to combine them together? So the, the first thought that I had when you say God of hunger and a God of fate, I'm thinking some, some are born to feast, some are born to famine. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. I Not only that, but I, I do like the idea. I mean... This is the first fusion. I imagine that duality should play a pretty big theme. And I think mm -hmm. that given what we have, yeah, duality absolutely does play a theme in both of our gods. Like we, that seems to be something that we were looking for subconsciously. Yeah. Where do we want to go with this? Do we want it to be like, do we want to keep that duality theme or do we want that side of hunger to overtake one of the sides of fate? Do we want to have like, this is a God because realistically hunger goes either way, right? Like you can, call hunger ambition or you can have it like maybe be you know a feast god or something like that uh also by the way i also went with hunger because i couldn't go with the fire god so i'm like what's the closest i can get uh well oh, oh, hunger raging fire, yeah. yeah hunger con or, or hunger consumes just like fire perfect so that way if you did go with the fire god then you know we could go with that too so i i i don't necessarily see uh th though it is a dueling god it's kind of like uh, you wouldn't want to get rid of your drive and also the want to, for food mm -hmm. in yours. I would say that we just kind of uh, mix it. Yours is drive. Yours is drive. So let's say some people are destined to see their ambition through hunger. Mm -hmm. Once again, feast or famine. You're destined for both. I think for this god, you should pray to it and be like, "Give me good fortune." Don't let me go hungry. Let my ambition see its mm -hmm. end. Uh, oh, and since we've been talking about avatars and things, and uh, and uh, like the items that would be a part of it and exist and be a manifestation of it, uh, I'm getting a berserk idea. Okay. Of uh, what was the name of that? The Bellet. The Bellet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. so so is this is this in fact a bloodthirsty god? Is this the kind... Oh, so this is a god of hunger and fate. Maybe you have to feed this god in order for it to give you a good fate or give you good fortune. Yeah. So it's a hungry god, you know, but it's one that's willing to... I don't know. And uh, you, I'm not sure if you've read fables or... It's almost a trope of where uh, fate can be defied, but it you can't undo what fate was going to happen. So if you stop someone who is fated to die, someone else will die. Okay. So there's... Oh, okay. So maybe maybe there's an equal exchange level to it. Yeah. Where Shore will sacrifice to the hungry god, but in result, you know, that's actually just... Oh, that that's actually kind of an interesting idea. Maybe it would be something like, we're going to sacrifice people in our civilization... This means that in the upcoming battle, 
those who were fated to die are now our enemies. And so they can kind of pick and choose the infirm or maybe those who are less worthy, mm. kind of really turn it into a sick and twisted kind of eugenics program. Correct. And I could also see it where, say, the people who I want to be able to produce a great work. So I'm going to never show anyone any of these uh, paintings that I make. I'm just going to paint them, know that they are beautiful, and then destroy them so that I could then make a greater work. Hmm. That's the, oh man, that's really interesting. Well, that's the famine part that you're talking about, right? When it comes to the, the hunger and the, because you said feast and famine. Yeah. So the famine is creating beautiful work, knowing that no one will see it. And then the, fa and then the feast part would be like, this is my masterpiece. Yeah. Like eye bleeding beauty type of level of stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I, I like where we can go with this. Uh, I think that's really fascinating. I love the idea of a eugenics program type city. It's going to be a soundbite that I will... Yeah, I'm going to get on a list now, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, look, my search history for everything is just... This is what happens when you're in RPGs. You're just like, huh, I wonder what this... Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, Fallout? I looked up how to make several bombs. Yeah, that's what you do. And not only that, it's like, oh, hey... How much acid would I need to liquefy enough, you know, whatever. A corpse, you know. Yeah, it has nothing to do Cause, with... Because next session I need to get rid of a body and, you know, I'm going to go to my DM and be like, just like, no, you see, I have bleach, I have ammonia, and I have some, uh, there's an industrial park down the way, we can get some hydrofolic acid. Exactly. No problem, this body's gone. Look, they did this in the Dark Ages, I did my research, I made sure that these, avail these were available, it's not a problem. Just, what are those? Just, what are those lights outside? Just got. Just, you <laughs> you um, sold me out again. Um, all right. So I feel like we've unintentionally also created some rituals that uh, go through. Um, one of the other things would be holidays. I feel like that's very important because oh, yeah. you had in one of your campaigns the Day of Blood and Roses, which was like an Independence Day for one of your gods. Yes. Yes. It was the day uh, wherein. The patron goddess came upon the city and uprooted the previous patron god of the city. And th this is an entirely different campaign. But yeah, it was bloody and it was also very beautiful. Yeah, I just didn't want to mention something without explaining yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah, cause, yeah, I can understand that. Because, you know, not everyone's played in your campaign. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you but, should. But one of the things that I was thinking is one of the holidays... Because there should maybe be one for what was originally my god, what was originally your god, oh. and then a day of duality. That'd be fun. Working yeah. title. But. So, right. Well, no. There, there is. I mean, it's it's kind of like how even now we have the pagan rituals of, let's say Easter or even Esther, right? Or or Samhain, aka Halloween, aka All Hallows Eve. I mean, most of our religious, even Christian holidays, like they're Saturalia. right. I mean, there's we have roots and pagan rituals, so why not do that now? You know, where this is originally where this tradition came from. This is originally where this tradition came from, and then now there's a new third tradition. Oh, there's obviously going to be a day where they celebrate the combined ritual. Yeah, like that is a, that's got to be a monumentous day. Like the day that. The ink or the divine stitches were finally sewed. 
So, so that actually brings up a very interesting question. How does this ritual work exactly? I imagine because you have the idea of these, uh, these objects that essentially house the divine essences of the gods, right? They're like god hearts is the idea that I had in mind for them. I, for, for like a proper term, it would be like, what, like, proper, like pronoun the god heart. You know, and each god in this setting would have them. Wherein, so so hunger, for example, could just be like a set of of teeth. You know, like a, a jaw, like a literal jawbone, for mm. example, of some massive beast. And I imagine for fates, you could have something like you know, just literal strings or, or thread, or if you wanted to go, you know, in that direction. Greek. Yeah, if you yeah, if you want to go Greek, for example, my idea for that, right? is this I was I was thinking a little bit about this. So you have these two so you bring these two items together, these two god hearts together. And my idea was this was this was and, and I imagine this is not entirely common for this reason. I want the ritual to be kind of risky. And I want the ritual to be left in the hands of mortals. So the idea would be something akin to they have to destroy the god heart which leaves their ess the god's essence like it scatters essentially but like there's a third vessel that they can then create together so it's it's kind of like doing surgery in a way where you have to be pretty good at it you have to make sure that cuz things can go wrong hmm. and i'm sure later down the road we'll have instances where maybe this is a god that tried to do the ritual and something got messed up or actually, that that could just be like there's a plethora of options that we can kind of work with in that regard. Oh, God died on the table. Yeah, and then all of a sudden that alliance you're going to have, it falls through, and then it turns to turmoil and perhaps genocide or exile. I mean, there's a, there's a, a bunch of stuff that we can do with it. So actually, if I were trying to describe uh, what my God's item would be, mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be a person because. I'm not sure if you had a similar thought of where I'm like, hunger should not be personified, maybe for you, or fate, I definitely don't think should be personified. Yeah, I, I don't agree like with that. But uh, I believe they were augury bones, is what, like, uh, you know... Oh, like knuckle bones? Yeah, yeah, the knuckle bones yeah. that you would put into a bowl and you'd be like, oh yeah, we're gonna win this battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. is what I... That or tea leaves, perhaps, or... Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I, I do like the idea. Well, this would actually help us kind of unify the theme because bone bone. The, yeah we have bone on bone contact <laughs> so uh what we could yeah all right so so the ritual looks something akin to bone like bones essentially being brought together smashed in combined and maybe this creates a new kind of item some kind of a new god heart something like dust or something akin to that like because th that's what happens right you powder bone yeah and it becomes like a dust or something bone like meal. that but yeah for example uh but what what else could we do with that what kind of third object could unify these two ideas together well uh do we have a combined name not yet hmm, because because my idea is that this would be like a proper noun at this point so we had Proper noun, because uh, here's the thing. Creating proper nouns, I think, is something that should be left off the cast. I mm. think it would be, because sitting there and researching would just take too much time. 
However, going through ancient god names, going through ancient people names. Right. It's a Does day. this sound like too much like a sex toy, for example? Uh, like Dildoff. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. I, everything you touch is dildos and cocks. You know I don't what? know what to say. Dildoff, I believe, was from Lord of the Rings. It was something it, like you, you can br- blame Tolkien for dicks. So I'm pretty sure the god that you're talking about is Deldawaf. But you brought it to uh, Dildawaf. Oh, you're right, I did. Yes. You're right. So I think that's, I had to change it a little bit. Right, yeah, you're like, that sounds fine. And rather than, like, Daldawaf, nope. you went with... Yeah, Dildawaf. Yeah, you went with Dildawaf. So, again, to avoid all sorts of improper pronouns, I think that we're going to skip the names for now. And I think that we can just go... You know, like, for example, mine wasn't just, you know, Abraxas, the god of hunger... It, if, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. Yeah. It's also a Jesse Ventura movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of my gods' names was going to be Atrox, God of Spite. But, uh... Oh, I, God of Spite would have been yeah, fun. Yeah, I understand why you... Spite and Hunger? Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that's, that's a villain. Like, yeah. there's no way around that. That's when you have Hunger and Spite. No way around it. But Aatrox was actually a League of Legends, Legends character. character. But I think it was Latin for strife or something when I was coming up with the idea. I thought it was Latin for edge. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I, I I, was looking for a name and that makes sense if it yeah. was. But um, anyhow, the combined item. Yes. My idea for a combined item for both hunger and, and fate, I see... A knife made from bone. Mm-hmm. So, like a ritualistic dagger made from bone. Yeah, I could, I could see how that could work. It could be used for hunger, and also you can sever fate. You can. Oh yeah. You can take fate into your own hands with a blade. That's actually that's actually a pretty interesting uh, concept as well. Maybe just go with you. You know, there is a. It's maybe that's the way that they channel this divinity as well. Something like because every god item right every god heart acts differently and bestows power differently maybe in this case this is one item that is just like yeah it's wielded it's not a matter oh that would actually be really interesting too because it's like you're bring you're literally bringing your god into battle at that point and it's not a matter of hey i'm imbued with the power of my god i'm like no i wield my god my god is here to fell armies and assure our victory Oh, that sounds pretty fun. And a knife's easy to use and sacrifice. It's, yeah. Uh, I could also see something, uh, say that there are monsters or something big in the world. You could literally carve out the flesh of something with a knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see a tool. It doesn't necessarily be a knife. We're leaning on the knife. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, I believe something that embodies fate is a tool. Sure. Like shears, but I don't know how that would go with hunger, which is why I went with knife. Yeah, I think like like a really a really nice ritualistic dagger would work. Uh, it could even be it could even be like a chef's knife looking thing. Although realistically, like a ritualistic dagger would be, I think would work a little bit better. In terms I'm not of sure aesthetics. if you've ever seen uh, Supernatural, the show. Bits and pieces. There was something in it that they had called the first blade, and it was literally made from a jawbone, oh. and it was what. Cain used to slay Abel. That's, yeah, That see, something like that would be kind of cool. I like that idea, you know, that you have this, or or maybe, actually, maybe we could do something akin to, maybe instead of, like, they smash the two items, maybe, 
or, or okay maybe they have to smash the two items in order to release the god essences and then they have a third item that is basically a jawbone wrapped with the knuckle bones or, or like a, a dagger that is made entirely of the two pieces together we didn't say how big the knuckle bones would be so i mean yeah. it, the, knuckle bones can make a handle jawbone yes. can be a knife uh, blade sure and, uh, and obviously this is like we're I'm, I'm thinking of it something kind of primitive but in my mind there's also this artisan level to it that you know these are you know they're both like we want to honor our god oh yeah this is no this is not some you know like stone age weapon this is this is the idea of like one like an aztec weapon or or maybe like weapon of the maori where yes it's made out of wood or stone but there's art yeah it's art and it's incredibly well crafted and honed and something like that i actually like that idea a lot the idea that there's a third ritualistic dagger that is you know it can be used by warriors. It can be used by priests. It is a tool, and it is an it's a weapon to defy fate. Ooh, I, I also like the idea of it since it's ambiguous. It's not necessarily it's a dagger, or it mm -hmm. can be a chef knife, or it can be something that can be used as a tool, or it can be something used as a weapon. Yeah, that does go back to the duality yeah. aspect that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the day that it gets joined together. Yes. What happened and like, why? The reason that our gods came together, mm -hmm. I would say, not I, desperation. I don't want desperation. Right I now. also don't want desperation because these are two pretty primal and powerful forces that we're working with here. I mean, fate is very powerful. Hunger is very powerful. These are things that shouldn't be in a desperate situation, so to speak, you know? I could see my god being, this is what is supposed to be, and your god always wanting more. Oh, I like that a lot. So, so there's like a delegation from the fates. They come to the to the hunger, and they say, "Yes, this was always fated to be. We have been shown how do how it." But but herein lies my question: How do how does hunger not just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll believe that," like this brand new thing that's never been, existed before? What 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 does fate say to convince? Sorry, to convince hunger that this is the path that they should go down. That this was always fated to be. I don't want to say that uh, this is the only way that you will feel sated or mm. anything. But perhaps uh, seeing how fate goes both ways, you can look into the past, I want to say. Uh, maybe detail about just like, I recall where you were born kind of thing. Hmm. Not sure how I feel about that, but I do like the idea that they're playing off of the idea of hunger being sated in some way. But yeah, I like that. I like that concept that it it's they're convincing you that they're going to be whole, that they're going to be sated, that this hunger will end. Hmm. This will be the only way that you will ever be sated. Right. Not saying that it will sate you, but it will lead to a feeling of satiation yeah so is this so is this then seen as a sign of weakness or because that's kind of how i see it right is that there are certain there's going to be a certain subsection of people who followed both gods you know who will believe that well we're we're better than them anyway why would we combine why would we join together 
Although I suppose there's also the very obvious logical explanation of, well, well, together we'll, we're stronger. Yeah. You know. But also, uh, no, no. Fate decrees that this is what it should be. We will follow fate. Hunger wants more. We give hunger more. And I could imagine that, and from a you know from a PR perspective, hunger could just be like, yeah, we're going to consume a god. We're going to and kind of keep that aspect of it. The god of spin. Yeah, essentially, or or rather, overreaching. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so we have the ritual. We have the circumstances. How were these two gods beforehand? Were they enemies? Were they friends? Is this? I, I actually I like the idea that before this happened, they were perhaps at war or perhaps were in conflict, and then there's an epiphany or one of fate's rulers comes to them and says, "Look, we've seen what's happened. This is what happens. We're going to stop the conflict now." Bam, and then bam go go straight into that I, I like that idea that it wasn't that there was a lot more tension involved than just being like yeah we're, we're friends like bam bro fist we're yeah, in a way uh trying to go against hunger is going against your own body uh you're trying to fight fate yeah yeah uh but i could see it as being that is not the way that it has to be there is another path sure I could see that. But I see my group being somewhat uh, cloistered. Okay. And uh, I imagine that hunger being somewhat ravenous that they aim and they, and they kind of... I, I, I can imagine them being somewhat warlike in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so... Devouring swarm-like. See, I didn't want to go insect. Like, in my mind, the only yeah. thing that I kept thinking is... You know, like a like a locust or a scarab or something that eats a lot, or you know. But I didn't want to go with direct evil imagery because for some reason insects are always, you know, evil. Probably because they eat all of our shit and make us die as oh, humans. I think ants are really cool people. I, ants are people. Okay. In my eyes, yeah. Fair enough. I also really like ants. Although I used to feed ants to spiders when I saw them, so it's fucked up. I was a fucked up kid, but I used to just feed ants. Sure. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did that too. But then one time I found a spider nest Damn. and I'm just like, oh, cool. Let's see what happens. Madman. Yeah. Well, it happens. All right. So what is the next part? So my, so I think the na the natural progression is what happened in the, in the aftermath. Fate is now like saddled with this immense hunger and hunger is now given I don't know what. What do you think? Fate. What do you think? Hunger is given as a result. Because I imagine that if we're using fate as the base, and you're introducing hunger, you're just making it ravenous, right? Or, or but so what? Let's do the reverse. Let's I, say that hunger is the base. What does fate add to it? Uh, what you're adding to hunger is the fact of, uh, you know when your next meal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. You have a plan for what the next meal is. So there's a there's almost like a devious clarity to it. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter. Of, oh, that's ooh. Think of it as kind of a, a starving man on the street could attack someone for food, whereas someone who knows that they have food at home, they might be hungry, they might be ravenous, but they're like, I can wait, I can wait until I'm home because what I want to eat is at home. And then you're turning it into some wild animal into like a. A strategic apex predator, almost. 
So again, we're going evil with this one. I well, feel like. Uh, come on, no. Well, no. Th- that's what I mean. Like, I I would like to try and pull it a little bit away from pure evil, and and kind of be like, okay, well, sure. Well, actually, maybe that's what happens. Maybe uh, when when fate is introduced to hunger, there is a tempering. There is a dull to the ravenous part, you know, because we know where our next food, our next meal is coming from. So we can be less aggressive. We can be less anxious and angry about what's going on and kind of focus on. We got hunger on a meal plan. It's good. Right. Essentially. So it's a matter of there's temperance now to this ravenous hunger and this, but there's still crazy ambition. So I'd like to imagine that when it comes to hunger, the ambitious part is what survives and what, prolong or endures rather through through the personality and everything like that and i see in fate the the long idea existing the the things are what is meant to be the planning that kind of thing existing yeah i i I like that as well and i think in both the fortune what do you mean going back to feast famine like there are I want to keep the idea of, like, the painter destroying his art to get something more magnificent down the line. Sure. So, I I like that idea. I like the idea that it is, that this new god is god of feast and famine. And that can actually work into a holiday. Uh, There is feast holiday, and then there's famine uh, holiday. What what do you call it? Uh, Not famine. Like when you fast. Fasting. Thank you. Or, or even just have that be like a daily ritual type thing. Or, or, or maybe it's like a war ritual where, you know, there's, there's no killing, not even of animals, right before they know that they're going to go to war. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of like our, our culture that we're building was the first intermittent fasters. And <laughs> <laughs> so they're just going to be a bunch of muscle-bound <laughs> Joe Rogans. <laughs> What's up, bro? Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm real hungry. I'm real hungry for this war. <laughs> Dear God, they're huge. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I like that idea. I like the idea that these are a people who are living in extremes of feast and famine. Hmm. I like the idea that the reason that they're able to endure the famine is because there is the promise. There is the faded gift of a feast afterwards. I like that idea a lot, actually. I like the idea that this is. Oh man, yeah. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting uh, meat on the bones here. <laughs> Boom. Uh, seeing how we're talking about fate, uh, feast, hunger, in this society, this city, unnamed, because we're now one. Is there a class system? See, when I think of, I immediately say yes. Because there are those who are eaten and those who eat. But at the same time, I also imagine that if we're going with... Actually, if you're looking at it from a fate perspective, there's absolutely a caste system. But it also allows you to cast off fate as long as you're hungry enough for it, I suppose. Something like, yes, there's a caste system, but there's a way to break through. Or there's a way to... But but I like the idea that... I mean, you yeah, can I did say. really want a, it. Just like you can defy fate. What you, the lot that you are given in life, is not necessarily what you will have. Mm-hmm. But depending on how f- down on the rung you are, you're gonna 
You're gonna need to fight for it. I also like the idea. Well, well, see, that's that's kind of interesting though, because when you defy fate, are you defying the god, or can or can the upper class simply say, "Well, this was always fated to happen. This this breaking of the caste system was always fated to be." Beca- fate is fickle. Sure. I will say that fate smiles on both, uh, and say, say a, a, you see a rich person on the on the street, you steal their gold, they don't notice. Well, fate smiled upon you. Mm-hmm. You you were destined to get that gold. You were hungrier than they for that gold. Yeah. So in a way, you have this again going back to dual society. You have this idea that. If you're truly for, if if fate truly smiles upon you, you have that ambition to do so. So that now you have both both I, both of the gods' influences kind of sprouting through that culture. So I like the idea that this culture exists solely to be bucked against. You know, like solely to like the only reason we have a caste system is so the peasants can revolt every now and again. Because, it's good for them. <laughs> right. It's good for them. It's good that change happens. It good it's good that it's good that they prove who the true hungriest people are in the society. And people can move up and down because say uh you have a let them eat cake scenario where you get dashed into the rocks. Well yeah. guess what? Maybe you should have been a little bit nicer to those below you. Right, and and or maybe you should have called them in the ceremony like we should have done from the beginning. Once again, going away from evil. It's not evil. That see, there's a difference between religious eugenics and culling is not evil. Well, Robert Hilfiger. Okay, okay. See, this is this is what I'm saying. Maybe it's evil in that time and society. Mm. You know, maybe maybe it's oh, maybe they see that as. An evil act is like, oh, wait, what are you doing? Like, stop it. One of the things that I'm having difficulty thinking about in this society is laws. Mm-hmm. How do you regulate when people can just say, just like, no, no. You see, I'm I'm just doing my religious duty, fighting my fate. Just like, well, I'm doing mine, catching your ass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there you go. You have the idea that on one side of the coin, you have the... You have the the ambitious person who's just trying to buck convention, and then on the opposite end, you have the person who's trying to essentially create famine, essentially stop them from fighting fate. You know, you, no, you were there. Like, okay, let's say we have a pickpocket, right? He gets caught. Hey, I'm just trying to exert my right as an ambitious, hungry person. Then on the opposite end, you can have the lawbringer who says. You are fated to exe- be executed. You are fated mm. to be this way. So the, again, you see the duality. You see the idea that... So our church would be the weirdest one that has like a soup kitchen and on the other side a internment camp? I wouldn't say internment camp. I would probably say something... Well, actually, maybe it's just prison labor is a thing. Ooh, debtor's camp, kind of. Uh, debtor's prison. Debtor's prison? Sure. Yeah, it's just like, hey, uh, you know what? You owe fate this because... Clearly, you were caught doing a crime. You now need to pay the sentence mm-hmm. in benefiting those who are in a like cause of you. So it's not benefiting the rich, because the rich have already been smiled upon Bernie Sanders. Um, you need to have it help everyone. So soup kitchens, public works, stuff like that. Uh, I could see that as small and large. You're giving back 
because you got caught defying fate. Fate has decreed that you must help everyone. Yeah. Oh, I could, I could totally see that. You could do... I mean, there's even a lot of things you could do with it as well. I love that idea. So, yeah, I, I think that's really... So, so we've got the society built up. We got some laws. We got some religions. Yep. We got some rituals. Rituals. Yep. Uh, Holiday-ish type things. Yeah, I, I really want. Fe- I want to say festival. Yeah. You know? I, I I I like the idea of there being like a Ramadan. 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 A time of uh, fasting. Yeah. Well, that that's what I suggested doing it before wartime because I think that it's a matter of you want them. You, you want them to be starving before they're allowed to eat, right? Mm. Like, that that's the idea of, like, how war dogs used to be, right? I mean, look at what happened to uh, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, exactly. So, but, uh, again, I, I like I like that idea of, of being able to, again, feast and famine. You get the two sides, of, two sides of the coin. I think that'd be really fun to do. Yeah. So, what was the... So, so moving on. Because I feel like we have a pretty good grasp of where this god is, who this god is now. Oh, yeah. I'd be able to write up a city off of this. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. So now let's go ahead and take a look into what happens afterwards. These two people, these two gods now come together. What happens in the overall arching world? Are they immediately more powerful than most of the gods around them? I mean, yes, it's a combination of two gods, but are they perhaps, perhaps they are more powerful than three. Perhaps they're more powerful than four. Is this an amp, is this a multiplicative effect to, that we're looking at? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could, that makes sense. And also I feel like that will then inspire a few other gods to be like, oh man, that, that actually looks like a good idea. Hey, you, you, you want to, you want to join? I, I like, yes, I like the idea that the first instance of this happening spurs a bunch of copycats. And I also like the idea that this is where shit starts to go wrong for them, where there's a bunch of gods out there that they just fuck up the ritual because they have no idea what happened. And all of a sudden you get weird mutant gods. You get gods dying on the table, like you said before. I feel like our god could have went like that. This discussion, this was... In the metaphysical sense of our gods joining, whereas maybe if I would have picked a god of uh, spite and you of hunger, it could have went similarly where we both get along, but it would have been like, oh, oh god, this is like, even the followers are just like, oh, this is kind of, I this was ima- a bad idea, this was, oh god, we've created a demon. Yes, yes, I, I imagine that that c- kind of god essentially eats itself, you know, it's, it's spite and hunger... Your butt, like your, you know, what, what's it called? Like, uh, self, uh, can, audible cannibalization. Yes, but no, there, there's, there's something called cannibalism. Uh, something like that. No, it's, it's something like biting the nose to spite the face or something like that. No. Uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. There you go. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that that like you'd be you, either auto cannibalization would happen or something akin to self-destruction would happen with that and so maybe it kind of keeps keeps other civilizations away from that idea for at least for at least a a time they're fucked up down there but they're fucking powerful right 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 exactly but yeah i see the world is going and just like oh man that really worked out for them and mm, didn't work out for everyone who tried it because either they went into it half cocked or didn't have planning or it was just a really bad union of god Sure. Or, or, or again, I always like that that 
that human error aspect of it where, oh man, we really messed this up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine that there, there can be like a wave of it happening at first and we, we get all sorts of interesting fallout from that idea as well. Maybe, because we don't really have antagonists in this universe quite yet. We just have the idea that there's a bunch of warring gods. And actually, I was, I was thinking about this earlier uh, to kind of help solidify the idea of it. And I imagine that when, I, when, I, when we talk about these gods, right, these are how the First Nations are, are created. So it's, it's, a, it's a matter of like the Athens League. So, because we were talking about creating a super team of gods last time, right? Oh, but sorry, not to interject. One of the things that I would like to keep away from, and I, it's just because my mind goes there and I would like to stay away from it for creativity's sake. Uh, I don't want, if I'm describing what the culture looks like building-wise, Greek. And I don't know why. I was just bringing in the the Hellenic League as a, as an example of a bunch of disparate tribes coming together to become more powerful. Okay. So my idea was, you know, these are all individual cities that have their own patron god with their own god heart beating in in it, right? Mm-hmm. So that is that is their power source, and then the First Nations are just alliances between them. So we were talking about that previously, and rather than have it be on a country-to-country basis or a city-to-city basis, it's now on a god basis. And because, yes, gods ha- gods are now essentially fixed into a certain area. So that's that's the idea that I had. It's essentially replacing the idea of nations with gods, or rather, yeah, nations with gods, essentially. And so you'll have big, you know, and, and then I suppose when you have fusion or, or the soul binding and whatnot... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're essentially increasing the the range of influence, range of the area of influence. Sure, uh, something like that. Because I also like the idea that these gods can't travel very well. I like that there is a fixed distance from perhaps a, a, a center that they have influence over. Yeah, and Go going ahead. back to how you would like it, just like oh yeah, they they ran in, smashed your god, and then took. Bits of it, yeah, it, it, f- f- right, exactly. Or you're you're you can you can steal a god as a as a uh, as a treasure, basically as a as a as a thing of conquest. I'm not going to kill your god. I'm simply going to put your god in a zoo on display to show that every that I that my god is truly better than yours. You know, something something akin to that. I think would be fa- rather interesting. So I pictured my people being nomadic. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, and that's how they went about them, because they're just following the wind kind of thing, uh, going wherever fate takes them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could, see, I could see that for sure. So wh- how do we want to... So, so I feel like we, we've wrapped up the, the first god fusion pretty well. So you... You looking for next episode kind of thing or no no i actually wanted to answer another question or or rather have i have another high-end idea that i'd want to nail down now and my idea is we have the the generic idea uh, or, or rather the base level idea of this is a fantasy world right mm-hmm. how fantasy are we talking here because we have on the one end we have something akin to Game of Thrones where it's very low magic, uh, 
you know, still kind of grim and gritty fantasy. And then on the other hand, we have something really high magic, like kill six billion demons. And that's where my brain went because I, I'm used to running and creating kind of a grim or at least a darker or a lower magic setting of fantasy, giant robots notwithstanding. It's, it's a fairly low power game for the most part. But I like the idea that when you're dealing with gods, it's not a low power system. No. It's right. It, it should be something that can be fairly broad and powerful in terms of what we can do. So in, in, in this way, I, I, for the first time ever, I would like to do something that's kind of high powered fantasy, like a high fantasy game or, or rather a high fantasy system setting setting. Yeah, I could see that the main, the main problem with whenever I see high fantasy or anything like that is power scaling because mm-hmm. it, it suddenly becomes if, uh, if your God can wipe out a force, why doesn't it do that every time? Right. And so you need to put the limiters on there of either sacrifice or doing something like that or the amount of followers or just something. My initial idea is it has a lot to do with followers. It has a lot to do with like you're essentially using faith as a currency. You're essentially so how many followers you have, how much faith produced from the followers, because it's it's not just a matter of I have the most people. It's not just a popularity contest. It's a matter of how devout are my followers? How much faith can I evoke from them? And I think that it's, it's again, to go back to Magic the Gathering, you're essentially using followers as a mana system. You're essentially using it, okay, well, and, and that's why I think rituals are so important because for a ritual, you're essentially powering up your god to have more power, to have more, and it might be just for a moment. It might just be for one miracle, but that's the miracle that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, I mean, to go back to the previous God that we have of hunger and fate, maybe that ritual of them starving themselves is to essentially power up. Like their God is literally feeding on them. And so when battle comes, they're allowed to eat. They're, they're now infused and more powerful as a result. Mm-hmm. I like I, that. Cause I, I, I was, I was slightly like, why are, why are we sending all of these starving people into battle and why are they doing so well? But that, right. that makes it... Right, so so it's it's a... So these, I think rituals are going to be a big part of it in, in each god. I think that the type of rituals that are going to be evoked are going to be integral to how their power is dispersed and manifest. Hmm. So... I think that's I think that's a big deal. I think that's something that we're gonna have to work on. That we'll probably have to talk about in later episodes for yeah, sure, and come up with some baseline rituals and their effects. Sure. This is another question because I want to knock this out too. So so we're we're both okay with the idea of a higher fantasy, just with we want like a complex. Well, not just necessarily complex, but we want a good system, not just something that's arbitrarily high fantasy. Yeah. Because here's the other idea that I had in mind. Yes, it's going to be high fantasy, but I also want it to be like either little or no arcane magic. Mm, So only divine? Yes. So the only magic that exists only comes from these gods. I like that idea for a couple of reasons. One, you don't see it very often. Two, the idea that you can have arcane like users and whatnot. But then perhaps they're seen as either straight up evil 
or they're thieves of divine energy. Mm. In that case, you know, you have these cabals of either warlocks or sorcerers or, you know, some kind of mage that maybe that's where divine, maybe that's where arcane energy comes from, or at least arcane magic users is they're not channeling the divine spirits. They're stealing bits and pieces from the overall magic of the area. So it's, it's an inherently like distrustful evil act. Or they're taking it without the sacrifice or the ritual involved. Right. They're they're siphoning off like God's gas tank. Right. And then, oh, and and so that would actually be even more interesting if you take into the, take into account that faith is a, it's like a gas tank, right? Sorry, faith is a fuel source. And so when someone starts siphoning that gas and you go to war and all of a sudden there's not enough, right yeah you, you you're, you're fucked like all of a sudden when you need it most you don't have the energy you need and bam that's what happens and so what that would bring is the idea that people who do this these kind of mages and warlocks and whatnot they are hunted so it is dangerous to be this type of person because we don't want these type of people fucking with our gods to begin with yeah they're thieves right they're thieves and then what on the flip side of that, you know how we said that there are these conqueror gods who have gods lined up in like a row as a display? Maybe those conqueror gods are also, you know, employing these types of magic users to steal the energy that's being generated by those fallen gods, so to speak. They're, they're essentially being used as divine batteries for sorcerers and whatnot. So not just that, I would say sorcerers, they have their own source of divine siphoning magic. I want to say for the conqueror gods and everything, or even for, say, the smith gods out there, they're siphoning off of other gods that they've conquered, and they're imbuing it into permanent items like armor and and weapons. Oh, I like that a lot. I like the idea that the the old god hearts, so it's not just a matter of, Maybe that's where you get, like, really powerful magic items from. Yeah. You know, this wasn't just a cloak of... or th- This wasn't just a cloak of invisibility. This was once a god of deceit that's now been smashed and imbued into this item. That would add every... Every item would be real. Every magical item would be... A history. Enti- a history and entirely unique. And I think that it would also... Oh, that's really fun. I, lo- I really like that idea. Uh, I forget which culture. I think it's uh, Chinese or Japanese. Kami? Is it? Yeah, Kami, uh, kami are like Japanese uh, yeah. spirits. Like, uh, there's probably a lot of that in the world as well. Like, just tiny spirits. They're not quite strong enough to be gods, mm-hmm. but they are also influenced in where they are wrangled and, like, siphoned into items. Not as strong as a god artifact, okay. which is pretty cool sounding name. Yeah, but uh, something where this is a, this is an item that will heal wounds. It came from a bunch of spirits that were by a spring. They weren't healing gods, but they were healing spirits. Sure. Uh, if you've ever read uh, the Stormlight Archives, where it has spring, spring, sprang, uh, essentially everything like emotion, feelings, and uh, abilities have these little spirits that are formed as you're doing them and they can imbue power to what you're doing Hmm. so not essentially they're everywhere 
because maybe they are, maybe they're invisible, but you can attract them, trap them, and form them into something. And or maybe there's also a subgroup of people who live with them in peace. Okay. Do you think that that would take away from the divinity of the gods at all? No, because imagine the power scaling of it. It's one god would be like a million of these things. Okay. Think, think of it okay. as like in D&D terms, uh, taking in a healing spring and smashing it into your face is like a 1d4 healing thing. Whereas taking an item by a god is just like, oh no, you just healed an entire city. Right, right. Okay. Well, it depends on the god, I suppose, right? Oh yeah, if, yeah. If, yeah, if it's a healing god. Well, no, I'm I'm saying like, it's it's a matter of well, how how withered is this god? Mm, true, true. You know, it's it's not just a matter of that. So so that actually, but e- even like a low tier god probably could reform a limb where these things would just stop the bleeding. Right, right. I, I okay. So I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, yeah, th- I, I do like that idea. I like that idea a lot that when you wield magic in this, in this setting, you're just wielding gods. You're wielding, you're, you're essentially channeling faith either through an item or through, you know, the actual divinity of your god. I also really want at some point to talk about a failed combining of god item. Like, this is now a curse. That's a cursed item. Oh, yeah. Boom, but but is it item. but is it but is it still a god at that point or is it just an item that's inert and it has no influence on the world anymore or is it just what do you think? Well, say say the god died at, at, on the table or whatnot. I still want to say that there was an impression left on this item where divinity should have been. Hold on, are we talking about god ghosts right now? God are you, ghosts. Are you talking about like a haunted relic? Or like a dead god heart that is still haunted by what the divinity used to be and is somehow twisted. Yeah. Damn. Because I would, like, the reason it's cursed and the reason that you can't uncurse it is because it's angry that it's dead. It's angry that this failed. It's angry at its followers. It's angry at the other gods. I, I love that idea. I love the idea of a vengeful spirit. I love, oh, there's a lot that we can like, do with that. And the thing there. is, it doesn't necessarily have to be vengeful, but it is twisted. Like, a, yes. uh, to go back, uh, let's say a fertility god uh, was trying to combine with another god. Every every follower is now barren. Yeah. Every single follower is now barren. Or worse, everything that they give birth to is twisted in some way. And maybe that's where you kind of get... Uh, like minotaurs or something like that Ooh, or yes individual monsters or something like that it became the mother of monsters and some sort of uh, i'm trying to think of the actually no the item maybe isn't inter- in- inherently conscious when they're combining it it's kind of like you smash these two items together into a forge and then through the divinity something forms Mm-hmm. Both through the aspect of what the gods are and what their followers saw them as. So, say the fertility god was trying to combine with a harvest god and it didn't work out. Something smashed apart. I'm picturing when you combine those two, maybe it was like a sickle or uh, a scythe. Scythe, yeah. Yeah. And when it didn't work out, what you got was. Maybe a hammer, something blunt, something that shouldn't be, that can't be used. Or uh, you could even go just 
it's a sword. It was never made. It was never made in. It's a plowed chair. It was never a sword into a plowed chair. It was just something meant to kill. See, I'm I'm not sure how much I like that idea because it's a matter of, well, now you're just creating a different god, right? Like it's so you're just creating the anti-god version, and so at that point, what makes that what makes that aspect different than say a god of war, whose whose divine spirit is imbued in a sword? So I, I like the idea of a more ephemeral, ethereal, like revenant aspect of it, where maybe it's not. In, I, I like the and, and I do like the idea of like an unconsciousness to it, like it is no longer a conscious being that can kind of do things. Maybe it's just like a curse that's on that area. Maybe they maybe they just maybe they just all have different side effects to them. True, it can be a case by case basis. Yeah. Uh, but I also like something happens in the death throes of a god. Obviously. I mean, I, I, I've, I've done that in my own setting as well, where, you know, there was... It, it, Thalamore? Yeah, so it was the, the, god, the god of justice, Thalon, rides into battle and gets killed by another ancient god. So he essentially rides into battle another ancient god, gets slain, and rather than... Essentially, where his corpse lies is, and for miles around, is just a, a, a fallow, like, it is a dead zone. It is something akin to the mana wastes and the pathfinder. It is something, it's just like, all but, not, not but dust can exist there for too long. It's essentially a magical desert, just without, like, the sands. It's just dust and despair. Mm. And I like the idea that when gods die, there is something permanent and uh, unalterable that happens perhaps to the terrain or to the people or to something around that that is, it, there's, there are consequences. I forget what we were just talking about for our god. We were talking... Cursed items, we got a little... Oh, yeah. Back. Well, no, that's fine. Because High magic, low magic. Right, we were talking about, like, essentially where to go, what to do... This is the qu the questions that we really want to have answered about this setting. I think we have high fantasy, but it makes sense. I think that we are, yeah, we were just exploring what, what else we can do. So I also think that now is a good place to wrap up. And what do we want to focus on next episode? My vote would be monsters. Monsters? Do you want to do races and monsters? Because I think that would be a really good episode all on its own. Yeah, monstrous races, races. You can right. You can branch off that from sure. I, like to me, I would because I think it's important to talk about how this setting is affected by something that's humanocentric compared to something that's not humanocentric and what that means. I think that exploring that should absolutely take up an entire episode in and of itself. And, uh, I mean, you want to have it, like, debate style? Like, because I know where you're going. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do know where you're going, Chris. You're going for, how many dwarves do you want in this setting? Oh, damn it, I was going to. I know, I know. <laughs> I cut it off because, I, for, the, for those of you who don't know, I really abhor dwarves as a, a, a character race. I actually, we'll get into this more next episode, but... <laughs> I actually despise anything that's like vaguely humanoid and it the only thing that differentiates it between it and like a human like of a different culture 
is just that it has pointy ears and it lives longer or it has a beard and it lives longer and it's shorter. I find that's really lazy and I'm trying to avoid that for this particular setting. I like anything that lives underground. I mean, that's, yeah, that's Going back fair. to ants, I just... I suppose so. I, so we're, I, I love my buddies underground. So I would rather have a race of mole men than I would dwarves. You can give them thick Scottish accents... <laughs> Have them wield like little little mole axes. Oh, instead of a pole axe, it's a mole axe. Oh, I hate you. Yeah. No, or, I'd probably go with insect, but we're that's we're next way time. ahead of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You so, want to do the same thing we did this time? You come up with a few races. I come up with a few races, and then we meet in the middle for what's two of our favorites. This way, we have multiple races. Uh, and of course, we compromise. So, I mean, I, I imagine that because we're going to be doing high fantasy, we, we kind of can't avoid the idea of not using other races. So, yes, I'm okay with that. Okay. I, will, I will say that humans are a given, but I also... We'll talk about this more next time. But, yes, I think that's a good idea. We'll both come up... How many do you want to do? You want to do three each? Three, three works, because I feel like we naturally came up with three gods and then picked our favorite. Yes. Can we also can we also say that we're going to leave human is a given, yes? Mm-hmm. So human is already off the table. So oh. now so because I don't want to be like, oh I chose human. Like, oh I chose human too. Oh, that's so weird. Ex- yeah, exactly. So I, I would like to choose I would like to make three of on my top own. On top of human. On top on top of human. And or maybe inside of human. Gross. Ooh, wait, no, that's a cool race. Like in uh <laughs> in uh what, what was it? Uh I was Prater Street Station. No, the the the, ins- the, re- the reborn? No, no, not the reborn. The the things that lived inside people that breathed fire and caused people to fly and shit. I was just going for a sex joke. I really, no, really... I'm, that is now a race. Okay, fine. Sex joke race. Okay, I, okay, sure. All right, so uh, that will just about do it for episode two of World Build With Us. I have been Rob Hilferty. This has been Chris Prunty. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or if you do want to get in contact with us and let us know where you want us to go next or if you have any suggestions or concepts or ideas that you'd like to us for us to explore, send them to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. And if you like what we're doing here, please share this podcast with friends and family and anyone who you think might like it. 